0: Welcome, everybody, to Mas Omejos Mexicanos. Wow, I messed it up. It's been so long since we've done this show. Welcome, everybody. It's Spanish. I also don't know it. I'm Sammy Gonzalez. Welcome, o Menos Mexicanos. Once again, Sammy Gonzalez, joined by everybody. we got a full house again. We're back, baby, and we're back all digital, all remote, all the time. It's a little bit easier to do this podcast this way, so we're going to do it this way. So welcome to the show. First off, I want to introduce... My number two, my no, is it my Kirk? No, my Spock. You're my Spock. I th-
1: Whatever, your henchman, your dude that helps you out, right hand man. <laughs> Wrong direction. Uh, yeah, my name is Marco. I hope everyone's having a good night. Or buenos noches. Stop then, it! Don't hurt my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> um, I usually would go left to right, but I mean, not yet. Let's go left to right to diagonal. It's the person that helped make this show. It's you, Alyssa. It's you,
2: Alyssa. Oh, it's me? Sorry. Yeah. You were at David. In uh, my- no, it
1: was... Yeah. This is not Ooh, good.
2: Sorry, guys. Yeah, this is not good. Um, But that's my fault, Alyssa. I haven't been on air in, what, over a month now?
0: You have like, been fighting the man. So... And winning. So...
2: Alyssa, no, not winning. You didn't wow. win? What? Marcus uh, told me you guys won. I we won one and lost one.
0: So, if you guys... To catch you all up, Alyssa is a activist in san antonio san antonio area all together and uh she was like all right guys i'm gonna be out for a while because i gotta go do the footwork you're not not just like tweeting not just like you know putting out press releases or whatever like actually going out and yelling at people and being like what is wrong what is wrong with you get it right vote it correctly
2: so much cooler than it actually is it is cool <laughs> And yeah, door knocking was fun. I got to meet a lot of really cool people, but also got chased by a couple of chickens, uh, some small dogs, good times.
0: Well, I'll take that over any big dogs because we all know I'm afraid (laughs) of dogs. So small dogs, chickens, Uh, chickens are scary. They'll pick your eyes out.
2: But, oh yeah, they're funny.
0: But definitely, welcome back, Alyssa. It's good to have you back. Show wasn't the same without you. It was a little too brotastic for our tastes. And <laughs> of course, rounding us out, our special guest today—a a long-time friend of mine. Over ten years, I realized uh, this year, I want to introduce you all to a great friend of mine. Let's see if I get the diagonal. Right. Yeah, that's right, uh, David Flores. Oh, let me take his name away. So now it's just David. But. I'm using his government name, but uh, David, uh, I want to give you a little bit of preface and let you take it from here. David's an educator of the youths. He's a teacher uh, in various parts of California. Um, He, I feel, is very, very qualified to talk about our conversation today, which is going to be about colorism in particularly the Mexican community, but overall in the whole spectrum of things. So, uh, David, and and this is also a little icebreaker as well to, to bring it up obviously introduce yourself but how do you identify are you chicano latino latinx if you will because you deal with young kids and probably kids that are more likely to use it even though they're middle schoolish kind of uh time maybe right before no, that i'm teaching I teach in high school high school oh so right in the prime of the the people who would use it so david i'll let you introduce yourself without further ado yeah, sure. yeah what's up y'all uh
3: my name is david flores um i'm out here in uh, Pasadena, California, and, uh Teaching ethnic studies uh, at the moment, just wrapping up the year. So I'll be starting uh, our ethnic studies department here, both at my high school and in the district. So it's pretty exciting times for me. Uh, I've been wrapped up my seventh year of teaching. Um, and besides that, just happy to be here, folks. And uh, Share some insight, I guess, or just my opinion. I don't know how much insight it will be, but would hey,
0: be opinion is good, man. Opinion is good, and and uh, I do want to know this because I do respect your opinion on a lot of things. You have your ear to these topics a little bit more. How do you identify? Are you a Chicano? Oh, I'm sorry. A yeah, sorry, yeah, I got. I, I miss parts of questions sometimes. No man,
3: no, uh, <laughs> I would say um it depends on the day, of the week, dog. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes sometimes I say I'm Chicano, and then sometimes I'm like, I don't know if I really want to identify that. So I'll describe myself as Latinx. I think it depends on the context. Like sometimes mm. when I'm speaking from like, if I'm trying to discuss my experience as like a brown person in my body, like growing up, I'll probably say Latinx just because I want to kind mm-hmm. of reflect. Although I can only speak from my personal experience, I have also seen from experience – um and from like literature that similar folks in my body go through similar things right
0: so Mm -hmm. um
3: i think in that context i use letter more um i'm not opposed to the term chicano
0: um i just don't know if i use it as much anymore yeah because that was our bread and butter in college so we were part of an organization (laughs) called hermanos unidos and we were uh, uh, the way we did it was uh chicano latino but with the at symbol so it was both you know, Chicana and Chicano. So that, the X, yeah. that was before the, was the X. Like Precursor to the X, the arroba sign. Yeah. yeah. And so that was our bread and butter. We said, you know what, that works for everybody. And then they were like, no, uh, it's not including of transgender and all that stuff, which I thought it would because it's both. But who, what do I know? And so they made it an X, and now. People are fighting back against it. People have opinions on it. But I just like asking our guests who identify as such. Um yeah,
3: just to see but, what's being um, used you know what? I'm
0: Mexican, dog, because
3: I think that's what <laughs> most naturally comes like to mind. If you ask me like off the bat, like if somebody asked me like, Well, what are you? I'd say I'm Mexican. Yeah. So I'll right. leave it at
0: that. And are you and then, then, then that goes into one more step. We'll go back to the topic. Are you born in from Mexico? I never asked this question. Born in Mexico or just born in California? I'm a Mexican born in Pasadena, California. There it is. <laughs> there it is see see folks you just gotta ask and you just gotta know but marcos i'm gonna go ahead and let you take the lead while he's hydrating up he's about he's getting <laughs> he's getting the vocalizer ready <laughs> about well, to start. Some I shit. Mean,
1: he definitely he definitely came to the right place to discuss the right topics especially with that intro uh so th- just to explain a little bit about it david is that this is a mexican culture podcast you we what i pitched this idea to Elicits like there's a lot of Podcasts or movies or TV shows about the African American experience, or um, a couple about the Asian American experience, but there's really not a lot about the Mexican American experience. Like you can watch Selena, maybe that that might be it. Stand like, to stand really, and deliver. Yeah, <laughs> like there's not, there's just not a lot. And then all that stuff is about overcoming something, and it's not the day to day life. So that when we came up with this podcast it was it's a warts and all podcast or we wouldn't be talking about colorism and the other thing is sometimes we do episodes that are serious like this sometimes we do fun episodes where we just talk about mexican candy or mexican snacks that we had like somebody that's mexican listens to it and it's like i remember that and i feel at home here that's the overall thing um and from that i pitched the ball to Alyssa to say that hey this was the when I first said, Hey, let's have a mex a podcast about the Mexican American um, experience. You were like, This is the topic I want to do. Like, l- give me this. This is, I want to do this more than any of the other topics. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, well, it's exciting, man.
3: It's good vibes. And I feel like,
1: you know, there's so much to talk about. So, it's uh, looking forward to Devin. In. Well, Alyssa, uh, why did you, I, I mean, I have ideas. I, I mean, I know you, but to the people outside, I mean, why did you want to talk about the colorism in Mexican-American culture more than, uh, so much?
2: Yeah. Honestly, because it's the culture that we grew up in, Marcos. I mean, growing up in Eagle Pass, Texas, where it's 99.9%, you know, Latinos, Mexicans, looking back on it, you know, I felt like we grew up in like this really interesting little bubble of like, I was telling you over text the other day, like judging Mexicans from Mexico while, you know, still while you know, we're, uh, what is it? uh, Mexican Americans, but we still have, you know, relatives and stuff in Mexico. Um, Like for example, like at the mall, you know, we would see all the Guadalupe license plates and it's like, ah, everyone from Mexico is here. And like, looking back on it, you know, before and like hearing my grandparents say it, hearing like my parents saying, hearing it my grandparents say it is wild because they're both from Mexico. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so um, you know, it it was just embedded into our culture. And looking back on it now, and like living in San Antonio, and like you know, being around other ethnicities, and like realizing that we grew up in a bubble. Like looking back at all of these little things, it's like oh, that's colorism. Oh, that's, you know, not normal. (laughs) You know, like, so this is why that topic was just, you know, very important to me. And like, another reason is, um, I'm in a biracial relationship. Uh, My boyfriend is black, but he's also a little bit of Mexican, a little bit of Cuban, um, things like that. And kind of like, the reaction around it, like, you know, my grandparents are all dead um and you know my parents are very cool but like my friend's parents you know being like oh this is what the black guy you know and it's just kind of like we're really like still doing this in this day and age
1: let me take a look yep we are <laughs> 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 yeah uh, i mean it's very unique that it's i was listening to some stand-up as i was trying to find like information and stats for this podcast and then uh one of my felipe came up where he's like So Mexicans, like, if you close the door off, just start hating on other Mexicans. Like, it's just like that dude becomes Negro and you start talking shit about that guy. That dude becomes Chino. Like, it's just like, it's not good.
2: It really is.
0: not. And the thing is, is uh, we'll get into our own personal experiences, kind of our basis with it. I come out relatively unscathed, but there's still some bad things in there where it's like, oh, my God, that's only one generation away from me. That's just a step away. And so luckily there's been some cleaning. But how do you want to introduce this topic, Marcos? Like what's the first, I guess, uh, attack point you want to get into before we can – so we can open Um, up the
1: coconut, if you will. Well, all right. I'm going to say these in English. They are phrases said in Spanish. But um, let's just dissect these five common things that are said in Mexican Spanish households and see how you feel about them.
0: Can I request that you do it in Spanish first, then in English for our audience and me? Okay.
1: <laughs> um, oh, he was born uh, black. hashtag Dark, but we still love him the same. What's that in
0: Spanish? I would say like say in Spanish first, that yes. and then translate
1: it. Oh, okay. Nació negro, pero lo sí lo queremos. I don't know if we use that ever. <laughs> um, you never heard that one at all. Never heard yeah, that no one. one. He's for sure.
3: See, not, or... Maybe not the like, totally lo queremos part, definitely the. He's still, yeah. still kind of cute or sta curiosito. <laughs> <laughs> like he's, oh, Which is like a okay. kind of messed up a... way to say he looks curious. Like he looks interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: Let's,
3: but yeah, also,
1: oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, you go first, Beth.
3: Oh, no, I was just going to say it reminded me of also like staying out of the sun.
1: Mm. Oh, yeah, no, that's the, that's the other one. Go to the shade. You're going to get darker. Yep. Vete por la sombrita. These
0: are real things, folks. These are real things. <laughs> yeah, this is, yeah. Like I said, lucky enough to dodge a lot of these bullets, but.
1: <laughs> I mean, the thing is, California is a different place. Like, it literally, racism is different there in uh, Remember the Titans, and that was 40 years ago. Almost fifty years ago, at this point, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but this one, I remember. I remember hearing this one a lot. Eres tan indio," you're so Indian. That I've heard mm-hmm. more a lot of. <laughs> that I've heard a lot more of. Yeah. I didn't hear so
3: much in my. I didn't hear so much in my fan, but I heard it from other people. Or especially like when they're darker skinned, they would call them indios.
0: Mm-hmm. That's yeah.
1: Uh, and then um on the other side of the wheel, um, it'd be great if you uh, would marry a white guy. con blanco. We never... <laughs> We've never gotten any requests for that. <laughs> oh, man. My aunts and uncles all the time. Oh. Well, they must be would, happy for it, you.
0: You're married, You're dating slash been with. Definitely, it's definitely a running
3: joke. Like, when you're single, like, oh, like, con una güerita. It's like, mm-hmm. you're set. <laughs> you know? Like... Lives made It's this assumption that
1: uh you'll have a good from then on that's always like a funny thing that, it, that it's equated with wealth like it's like oh all yeah. right he's moving up a social class now like right
2: yeah
0: yeah no there was a specifically a guy i follow real um into indigenous culture and apparently knew a girl that was down with all that she married a british or started dating slash married a british dude and then started just turned heel and was like you know what You know, the Mexicans need to work harder and do all this and do all that and then started saying things about the culture itself and all that stuff. Things can switch really quickly. That's so disappointing. It is. No, I read that too. He was disappointed. I was disappointed. And that's part of it. And that's, I guess, a good launching off point because is there any more of those Terrible. No, that, that was
1: just five. That's, I mean, there's more in my memory <laughs> oh, banks, but there's only five in this essay. Like it's. It's just. It's just. Just so commonplace. And like Alyssa was saying, our hometown. Like I think by the numbers is 96 percent Hispanic, and then the only Asian people that I know uh, was the dude that taught Taekwondo and the people that owned the restaurant, the Chinese restaurant in town. Right. Yeah. Other than that, uh, when it came to black people, if they weren't in the border patrol or customs, I don't know how they were in there until Katrina happened. Right. Uh, and I mean, there's a couple of white people, but it was like 96 percent Hispanic.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Definitely a bubble. It, yeah.
0: What's what's Pasadena look like? I don't know that you know the demo there.
3: Looking like, or you know, America's rainbow of diversity. <laughs> uh, it's like pretty balanced. Like, I mean, you can't really like, yeah, there's a little bit of everything. It's yeah. like it's probably like thirty-four, like thirty or forty percent brown, and twenty-five percent white, and uh, like ten percent black, right. and uh, the rest is like Asian uh, from different uh, regions. Right. Uh, um, pretty diverse, but they got all all the working class folks like up in the corner of Northwest Pasadena, uh, like above the freeway. And then the rest of the city is pretty well off. So when folks talk about Pasadena, they talk about, like, the wealth, and, you know, whether it's the Rose Bowl or the Rose Parade or, like, you know, I don't know what else. That's what it. <laughs> the
0: Rose Bowl, the Rose
1: Parade, that's about it.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and Fresno, I think, is under – I think it's 8% black. Uh, I want to say out 40% Hispanic or Latino. And then – uh other uh, split between white and various Asian folks, so a lot of migrant workers in Fresno county in Fresno the city of Fresno, so uh huge influx of the population there, um but a lot of other people as well so
1: well, uh I mean, does anyone have a personal story is something that like really discuss- i mean just to expose a wart and all yeah, like uh, about something that happened in their household that it was like <laughs> you it was one thing one way and then later. Like you, you look back on it after you've grown and left your hometown. In our, my case, and it's like that's really wasn't cool.
2: I have one with like my grandfather. Mm-hmm. Um, so my grandfather would always like tell you know me and like his other grandchildren like don't be a Mexican your entire life. And it's like, what the fuck does that even mean? Like you are a Mexican man from Mexico, and like looking back at it, it's like, oh, you know, ha ha ha, like you know well just like making a joke I guess about his own people being lazy but it's like that's it's so weird like it's like such like an internalized hatred that made me like very sad like when I look back and like reflected on it it's like don't be a Mexican your entire life but you are and it's like just because you work a certain amount doesn't make you any less Mexican
0: right that that's that's so strange because did he think yeah. he was it? At a certain point, like, did he hit a level of success where he thought that, oh, that's exactly what it is. That's
2: the thing. Like, my grandfather was, you know, he dropped out of school, you know, by sixth grade so that he can get a job. He worked out in the field. He was a truck driver for a little while. And then he was an auto mechanic for, like, the rest of his life until he retired and, like, lived, like, a very, like, humble life. And I, like, I don't know if it was, like, instilled in him in the Army or something, but.
0: That's crazy. Um, realize I, depression is real. Yeah. This one was even more wild. I found this out maybe four months ago. Four months ago, and mind you, like I'm starting to learn all. I'm I'm over 30 now, so I'm starting to learn all the family secrets. My great grandmother, she passed away when I was 16, 102 years old, almost 103. We love Maria. That's what we called her. She was a staple in the household forever. And then she had my grandma, and then my grandma had her kids. My dad. And his sisters. Apparently, she adored my oldest aunt, my Thea Mary, because she was ghost white, pale skin, and would reflect that in the gifts that he that she gave them during Christmas. Because my dad, my dad's not terribly dark, but he's darker. His brothers are darker, and then the girls are are more fair skinned. But the girls, especially his oldest sister, got so much more from their grandmother than the than the boys got, than any of the girls that were darker skinned got. Apparently, she was excruciatingly colorist, like violently to the point where my dad had to tell me, he goes, with my grandkids, everyone gets the same. Everyone gets the same amount because it bothered them that much. Now, my grandmother, there's probably little bits of it with my half uh, ha- white, half Mexican nieces and nephew. My sister married a white guy, and they were very light skinned, and they got to meet my grandma before she passed. I bet she – I know for a fact that she adored them maybe just a little (laughs) bit more than my cousin's kids who are – they stay in the sun. They get really, really dark and things like that. They're full Mexican kids and they're beautiful kids. And my grandma loved them just the same. But her mom reflected kind of – I believe those kind of things because my grandma was dark skin, which that's Mm -hmm. kind of fucked up. (laughs) <laughs> that her own daughter was dark-skinned, but because she had lighter-skinned grandbabies, the grandbabies were treated better because they were lighter. And then my her great-grandkids were treated even better because my sisters were fair-skinned too. So it's just like I didn't notice it, and I didn't notice that my family got special treatment, my kind of deviation from the bloodline of the rest of my family. Because we're a little bit more light-skinned, my mom's light, lighter skin. my dad's medium. <laughs> the fact that we have these kind of Tears, you know, what indicates light and dark? We know. We know what will get you treated right what, what you get you treated wrong in our culture. And that's, for someone who doesn't really experience it too much, it's fucked up that I know so much about it.
1: Well, it's kind of funny that you bring up the word tears because, I mean, I think David might want to take this, take the ball on this point. But it's, this is literally where colonization comes into play because it, it does start as those tears being related to color. Um, I mean I, I don't know if you want to if you want to talk a little bit about like uh, the history of like after the Aztecs lost like from once the encomienda started what was life like socially for like probably the next 300 years
3: okay cool so um, when the and it's crazy because like and, and don't think. I'm like, I'm never like nitpicking. It's just like to point shit out. Yeah. Because uh, I, I want to point out how rooted it is. Like, yeah, so they were known as their name were the Mexica. And that's where the name Mexico comes from, mm-hmm. from their from the Aztecs' real name. And then the Aztecs was the name that the Spanish gave them. But anyway, so <clears throat> after the Mexica were colonized by the Spanish, they set up encomiendas. Like, they got this caste system going. And I don't know if you all have seen these charts before, if you ever took like a like a history class in college well they're pretty widespread like on google um but there's this caste system that broke down like superiority i guess based on skin tone within like the spanish colonial system um yeah if you can see it's a that, it's a picture, picture. Okay. It's, it's a bunch of pictures actually oh, okay I, <laughs> look that's up. the one i was using but i'll, oh, I'll okay. get it got it got it yeah oh but that's pretty much it yeah exactly um, but you'll see, like, there's this old, like, paintings of them. And it's kind of just a trip to kind of see. And then it shows, like, the two adults and then, like, the baby that they have. Like, Oh, yeah, I have seen that, that one. They
0: mix. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. It's kind of a, it's a trip. But it's, like, so when when the argument is made nowadays that, like, race is a, like, is a, something that folks now are bringing up and making an issue or, like, they constructed it. We were like, no, actually like colonizers constructed the concept of race, you know, and now folks are continuing to try to fight back against it and eliminate it. And now it's like a lack of recognition, but anyway, so caste systems in place, you know, essentially they try to see if native folks can be slaves. That doesn't work out too well because the Spanish keep getting them sick with their fucking diseases. (laughs) Um, So like, Native folks don't make good slaves, aside from the fact that, you know, a lot of them resist. There's always resistance. Wherever there's oppression, there's resistance. That's what I tell my students. Um, But there's a lot of resistance. um, There's a lot of death. um, And then there is a lot of conformity and conversion of Catholicism. And that's where you kind of see this intermingling of religions with, like, indigenous culture and Catholicism, for example. Like, with Dia de los Muertos, the most popular example, right? Mm -hmm. um like calaveras and death and stuff isn't typically recognized within catholicism but the spanish bent a little bit in that sense and allowed the indigenous folks to incorporate a little bit of their beliefs you know as long as they kind of follow the letter of the law with with the other christian beliefs um so um it was a system of oppression they extracted resources And that's a huge thing, thinking, considering, like, um, the issue, like, everything that went down with Kamala Harris speaking in Guatemala and Mexico, uh, was it yesterday or day day before? Day
0: before, I think, yeah.
3: Yeah, Yeah, day before. So it's folks are, you know, the the far left or the communists or the socialists or whatever you want to call Twitter, like, but the conscious (laughs) Twitter, the woke Twitter, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Right. Like folks are bringing it to the public's attention that a lot of this stuff is rooted in, you know, historical examples of America going into other countries, not minding their own fucking business and like trying to fuck shit up for economic benefit. Now, it's not unique to shit that Europeans didn't do right with starting colonization. Right. So they're just repeating the model of patriarchal colonialism and capitalism now. Um but yeah, lots of oppression. Uh, fights for revolution in 1810 and 1910, and um, those were somewhat successful and later repressed. And they were able to gain support from the U.S. during the revolution because it was convenient at the time to get that Spain out of there. Um, it, we, we were uh, Mexicans were definitely a lot easier to like manipulate and coerce or work with in terms of uh, economic agreements than it was with uh the Spanish. So they were out of the way. And then the fucking French came back like, hey y'all, y'all still owe us money. Like what the fuck? And the Austrians too. And then the Mexicans were like, bro, like we told y'all, we're barely holding ourselves together. We can't pay y'all. So what's up? I guess y'all gonna come and catch the fame. So they sell <laughs> their little boats over and you know cinco de Mao happened. We fucking <laughs> part of that shit and fucking flip the script and beat those motherfuckers at Puebla. They dipped out. And, um, after that, it's been a run of, uh, I don't know, dictatorship, like 30 years of Porfirio Diaz. And, you know, he brought some modernization mostly to Mexico city and extended the railroads, but he sold off a lot of land and resources to the U S and that's the big story in Mexico, Latin America, if it wasn't stolen during colonization, that shit was extracted in the process through, through capitalism. Um, So a lot of land and petroleum, electricity, whatever natural resources, oil especially, mm-hmm. you name it, Europeans have hands on it to this day. Americans have hands on it to this day. And you'd wonder, like, would that ever happen in America? And Why are they doing that to other countries? Like, yeah. uh, America would never allow, like, Mexicans or uh, Chinese to own oil in their lands so right um, yeah imperialism all that all the special words but they did it all and um and yeah there's a lot of great stuff to talk about and that's cool and I think the problem with Americans they put us in the, they put us not only to being in the box but thinking in the box and we got to stop thinking it doesn't have to be this or that the reality is that it's both mm-hmm. We're really, there's some great stuff in this country and that's why I still live here And that's why I'm trying to make it better. Um, And at the same time, we're problematic as fuck. And the only way to improve is to recognize, reflect, and take steps to be better, right? Whether we're people, country, whatever, you name it, right? Right.
0: And what's what's most messed up about that is all of that started with colorism. (laughs) Like, that was the platform of it. That was the basis of it. And by the way, uh, I have uh, KJ317 in the chat right now. He goes, man... I wish I had this history lesson in high school. <laughs> for real. When you, when you say when you say French, the French can catch this fade. I think the youth can identify with that. <laughs> you got to
3: find the way for you got to find a way to deliver the message for the people, right? You know? And like, it's not about it, it's. Yeah, and there's times to be strategic and introduce these. Uh, academic terms, but at the end of the day, it's like, what's your goal? And my goal is to spread awareness and knowledge and help uplift folks in the community. Um, right. That's that's it.
0: Right. And you bring up a lot of good points about just the fact that. By creating that tier system based off of colorism, that it then informs you of your own value in this system that they made up afterwards. I always make this very basic joke that before the, uh, the the Aztecs, they were just fighting other people in the wrong part of the jungle. They all looked alike. They all about the same height. They all probably related in the genealogy of things. It's just like, I, I don't like that guy. I'm going to sacrifice it to my son, God, because fuck that guy. He's in a part of the jungle I want. They
3: were all the same. And no, because we're way (laughs) more complex than that. And that's really colonialism, too. Because when we talk about fucking the English, we get all intricate about... Well, fuck them. We know that. They (laughs) navigated the land and all that shit and all the wagons they use and whatnot. Like, nah, we're complex as beans. And the Mexica were actually fucking colonized... Nah, they weren't colonizers, but they were definitely fucking... Strategic uh, in their...
0: Strategic
3: <laughs> yeah. Conquers. They were conquerors. There you go. That's a good word. They were conquerors. Yeah. And they, like, took over indigenous folks around them.
0: That's what I'm saying.
3: And they were... They built... Yeah, that's how they built their empire, like...
0: But it wasn't based uh, because they were brown or dark. It was because I want, I want their land. I want their land, and I want them out.
1: They never really conquered for land they they conquered for and tribute, tribute. They conquered. yeah yeah they they had i don't think the empire ever expanded out of the bolt is what it was like yeah,
3: that, really but uh
1: so everything that he said was correct i just wanted to add the idea of uh mestizaje or missing oh, yeah how can I say the word in English but not in Spanish but I mean say the word in Spanish but not in
0: English
1: but um, it wasn't just so that was the caste system but the Spanish right. um, idea was it was literally their policy to outbreed the um, anybody that was dark of color So, like he said, um, indigenous people didn't work too well because they got sick. So they brought in a lot of Afro people. And so after a while, when they looked at their population, they were worried about revolt, the same way in the United States became a thing that in the Civil War. But in Spain, I mean, in Mexico or Latin America, really, uh, the policy was send white prostitutes to those areas. And also when Europeans come from across the sea, specifically put them in there so that, the indigenous people or the Afro people will marry white people. And then eventually all that bad color will go away. Like after enough breeding cycles,
3: Jesus See, I think, I, I'll I teach about just about anything, but I might still gloss over that detail. Um, but that's super interesting. I, I didn't, I didn't know that. And that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it definitely, it eugenics was very much alive in that sense, whether it had the label or not. Right. Um, uh, and that shit, it, it, it continued on today, and it was instilled in folks that white or Spanish blood was desirable, speaking Spanish was desirable, and then you kind of see, I don't know, I guess it's human nature, this idea of wanting to fit in and assimilate, and this constant, and then, so it's this battle, right? It's like who you are and who you think you're supposed to be and who you want to be, and that's where we're at. Right.
1: Well I just I just I, I wanted to get I didn't want to talk too much. That's what I do when I leave a pause like that. Yeah that, that'll just get edited out. That being said it, it I won't I,
0: it, it won't get edited out. It's it's you gotta you gotta absorb the feel of what has been said. We, we could,
2: I'm marinating it. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's one of those things where you're just like, yeah, think on that. Pause. <laughs> <laughs> and there you go.
1: That, yeah. that being said, so we've laid the groundwork to a lot of like it's the frame that you don't see in a house. It's what's behind the drywall to how we get to the world today. But we have all these ideas that it's just like, all right, the paler you are, that is going to be the more European you are. That's still the, the, what the standard is for beauty and so on. Um, but it's still literally part of all of Latin culture, like not just Mexican culture, because, I mean, uh, this is where Sam wanted to talk about the president of Argentina yeah uh saying what he said yes. yeah
0: so so david actually shared it i saw it as well uh on twitter let's see here uh, if i can find the image i'll just read out the headline what it said so this is from the new york times the president of argentina is facing criticism for a statement widely seen as xenophobic and offensive mexicans emerged from indigenous people brazilians emerged from the jungle but we argentines arrived on boats on boats from europe he said And that is – and that's the thing I've heard about and I thought was insane and then the president said it and I still thought it was even more insane because I don't know if that's how it works because if they came off the boats from Europe, they'd still be whatever they came off the boat was. (laughs) If they were Spanish, they'd still be Spanish. They wouldn't be Argentinian. <laughs> yeah, I think he he, he he missed
3: the he missed the boat, and I you know, <laughs> reading over the article, <laughs> uh, reading over the article. Uh, I his intent, I guess, was to show his connection to the Spanish, right? But like, it's super interesting because, like, actually, like the European boats that he was referring to were actually German and Italian. <laughs> <laughs> immigrants right, right. weren't really that many spanish like right it was just a bunch of ex-nazis and um ex-fascists who uh who came to argentina and that's why half like the argentinian uh soccer national team has got like italian last names
0: <laughs> and like blue eyes and shit like what's that right. what's that dude with the blue eyes? oh oh Oh, so, yeah, but is there's it no,
3: there's a, uh, there's some shady, shady history in Argentina, especially with like ethnic cleansing. Yeah, um, it's one, it is one of the quote-unquote like most light-skinned or whitest countries in South America,
1: mm-hmm.
3: and in, in large part, it's due to the ethnic cleansing that took part um, in like the middle centuries, like uh, after colonization, and uh, pushing a lot of indigenous and uh, darker-skinned folks to Uruguay and Paraguay.
0: Right, and like, what you? do with that idea right like so all of us have been lucky enough to attend college and get it uh, we had Chicano uh, studies was, or you know ethnic studies was part of our requirement to graduate at ucsb uh and i assume it uh you know where you guys yeah. went as well um, yeah I, mean, I
1: had to take a multicultural c- class in america
0: right so we have the the luxury i guess to to be exposed to that type of education And so we're able to see the game for what it is. I mean, by the way, I didn't tell David exactly what the podcast was. I said colorism. He knew that shit off top. So not only being an educator, but also paying attention to the damn classes. Um, He's figured it out, and he has an understanding that not everybody has. I have an understanding a little bit above maybe the average, and so do you guys as well. But then there's people that discount it and say that it's not a real thing or, or lean into it. And they say, oh, that's just part of who we are you know, that we do like light skin, light skin is better, it helps you get jobs, it helps you, uh, you're, um, and Alyssa, you know, don't, hopefully don't take this the wrong way, but I'm sure you've heard this, the lighter skin you are as a woman, the better, more appealing you are, and this is that, obviously the European beauty standards, especially with the, the ladies in my family, that's something that they've had to deal with, and god damn it, I'm so mad that and she's never going to see this, but my niece, my youngest niece is, is darker skinned and I know she sees it. And she's, um, she was adopted. uh, And from my sister who married a white guy with the two pale siblings. And I know that she notices that she is darker skinned. I know that she notices it. And I know that she notices her eyebrows are a little thicker. She looks a little bit more like me than her siblings. And I could see that little bit of doubt grow in her and it breaks my fucking heart. Because we didn't really have to deal with it. My sisters didn't have to deal with it because they're pale as shit. Um, so, what do you do with that experience knowing that that was something that you had to deal with? I'm going to pass to you, Alyssa, because that's very specific to what I kind of want to know about this element. Because I, I don't know for men,
1: do we get it as much? Do, do they get yeah, it? Than- you, you still get it. It's It'll come out in really terrible things like. Um, Jobs and so going into a room and things like that. I do want to just go back to Argentina just for one second. Absolutely. Um, I have a friend that lived in Argentina for Mm -hmm. five years. Uh, Alyssa actually knows him too, Luis. Um, Mm -hmm. He got shit every night he went out. Like he says the stories in jazz, but I'm like, that wasn't cool that they were like. He would go out and he'd be feeling great, and it's like, oh, you really like the other guys would say in Spanish, like, oh, you really think you're gonna have, uh, you're gonna get lucky tonight, like, mira el negro, creé que va a tener buena suerte, like they would just t- tell him to his face, like they would call him negro and be like, hey, because he was, he's not, he's probably as dark as David, but he <laughs> definitely stood out in Argentina, right? And that's crazy, right? It, but,
0: but yeah, great, great example there. <laughs> yeah, no, it, yeah, it's it's this thing, that, yeah, the beauty. Um, yeah, that that was a big one I wanted to do because like it is there, man. It's there and everything, and like you said, jobs too. I, I, the hard part for me, and and it really is bullshit. And this is one of those things where you realize, like, oh crap, I'm privileged as fuck. Even in my, you know, I'm you know Mexican. The last name's still the same, but all things considered, I'm tall. I'm light skin. And uh, straight, so no one's really gonna fuck with me just based off of those things for the most part. If they fight, they'd have to ask me if my last name was Gonzalez. I mean, because I look kind of like Muslim, me Filipinas. I'm ethnic something. Racially ambiguous. But they don't know. They don't know unless I speak or wear these shirts and hat. Um, So it wasn't until much later that I realized, like, oh shit, I've never had to deal with this, and like, listen, I. You, you, the story just based off your grandfather I'm sure you've dealt with it and I just kind of want to hear a little bit about that and just like how real it is to you
2: yeah so I mean I, I definitely can't speak on the experience of you know a darker skin Mexican I'm, I'm definitely this is as tan as I get right and I got sun poisoning so this is the result of sun poisoning that's a thing uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: it's uh, <awful. laughs> c- clearly I don't know what that looks like <laughs>
2: Yeah, no, um, I was a lot redder and I peeled like a snake, but Mm. this was the ending result of it. So this is, you know, as dark as I'll ever be, um, you know, I'm, I'm definitely a lot lighter, um, but, and I can't speak to experience, but, you know, you mentioned a lot of things about privilege and, you know, I, I definitely recognize that I have name privilege. Like my last name is Bunting and my first name is Alyssa. So you automatically think, you know, I'm white, um, So I will say one time, and I will remember this, it was in college, I applied at Macy's in the shoe department. Mm -hmm. And I walked in for my interview, and they're like, Alyssa? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, bunting? And I'm like, yeah, that's me. And the girl like straight up said, like, Oh, I was expecting someone white. And I was like, Oh, well, you know, I'm a quarter white, you know, and you know, we laughed about it and then like went about my interview. But like on the drive home, I was like, the fuck like i can't believe she actually said that like that's ridiculous <laughs> i can't uh, believe
0: that she actually said that now that you're recounting yeah, the story yeah.
2: uh, a lady named bernadette so that's all oh. um but yeah no, I, I definitely understand that i didn't understand that until i moved away from equal Pass, just because i grew up in an environment where everyone you know kind of looked like me mm. um but i will say just from personal experience like the first guy i ever had a crush on in college um he didn't like i i realized like with girls that he dated after that he only liked white girls Mm -hmm. and this was like a latino man himself too which was like really interesting yeah not from eagle pass from san antonio or no i don't I'm not sure where he was from, actually, but right. he was from me Tuesday. Oh, fetish, fetish,
3: fetishizing? No, that's another episode. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, did we dip but our I toes know, into other episodes on this show where it's like, ah, we got to. That's next time. A little time.
2: teaser. That's for next, the next time. time. <laughs> that's next time. Yeah. Um, but that was definitely, you know, the one time that I felt like, oh, okay, like, I'm, you know, a brown girl, but. That's you know after that like I you know was very lucky to be surrounded by a lot of you know Latinas who were very empowered within themselves, and it took me a really long time to like become empowered by my hairy arms. I would shave my arms you know pretty often, and you know for the longest time I just stopped and like let it grow. Like I'm a hairy Latina woman. That's what it is. Right. And um, yeah, like you you I think at some point every you know Latina or like not light skin, white, latina would experience that and it definitely sucks and you know I hope your niece grows up in an environment where she knows that you know eurocentric beauty standards don't mean anything and right. you know her skin color is just as beautiful, her thick eyebrows are just as beautiful mm-hmm. and I kind of see hope with this new generation.
0: Right. And it's getting there. She's 9? She's 9 years old. And so she's, she knows enough about the world to be like, OK, I, I'm picking up externally because once again, my dad, and my parents made it a point to never treat them any differently. That's on point. We got that. Her mom and her dad they're I mean, they're both pale as shit, but her uncles, me and my, uh, me and my brother are dark, just like her. We look exactly like her. And yeah, it's just like I wish I could take this away. And I, I wish that you weren't aware of it so early because, I mean, when I was 10 years old, I didn't, I didn't see it that way. I didn't know about it that way. It wasn't until I started going to a middle school that was predominantly white. And we, <laughs> this is a callback to another episode, uh, Comedy Central being very ethno-focused in terms of the comedy roughly around 90, 98 to 2005. Where you had the black shows with Chappelle, and then you had the Mexican shows with Latin Kings of Comedy, and everything was very race centric. Where then people started kind of dividing their lines, and I started seeing it around that time. Where it's like, oh, you got to go hang with the Mexicans. I was like, I thought I was gonna go hang with my friends, not just the, or, or you know. And then, and then once you start divvying up by race, then you start getting into the tears, and then it's just like, okay, now luckily, what I grew up with didn't really matter too much, whether it be family or whether it be, um, friends, but yeah, it's still there. And, and uh, then you get to college and it's definitely there, especially when you are 20% of the college population and 50% of it is white. When you're attending, you get, you get real. Yeah. If not more, uh, our time, it, that was, that was when I, my freshman year, it was, yeah, 50, five percent black, 20% Asian. And then like the rest other, and others like everybody else so yeah it's crazy go ahead david yeah
3: hey man if it makes you feel any better i don't know i'd argue that by having kids be aware the sooner the better is 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 a good thing because i think it's important for kids to understand how things work and why things happen whether it's science or life or anything and i think too often like we shelter kids and we act like oh no they're babies they're not going to understand kids are super smart and like when you actually teach them things and treat them like people mm-hmm. it'll be easier for them to understand why things happen and uh i mean you we also got to do a part in not letting like all this shit jade them but yeah. shit that's a that's a constant struggle for us right and that's the reality that's the reality of the world too like a lot of this shit can make you jaded or you can, you know, try to look on the flip side, be hopeful and try to make some change. But, um, you know, if she's if she's aware of why it happens, she could be like, you know what? This is bullshit. And I'm not going to let it phase me.
0: Right. Because
3: <laughs> I understand now that people are just hating because they've been taught to hate mm-hmm. or people are hating because we've been taught to value one skin tone or another. But if I'm understanding that this is rooted in all these history of oppression and all these uh, social norms that have been imposed on us Then, okay, cool. I'm not going to let it face me as much.
0: So you're saying that, that footwork, is that's going to go into kind of our last topic, but I don't want to get there quite yet in case Marcos, you have anything else going uh, in this middle section here, but the work starts early is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Marcos.
1: No, no, I mean, you, you're completely right about the section that we're at, but it's just to piggyback off what David just said. It's like, um, So we're in the top part of where we're dealing with the modern effects of um, what colorism has painted uh, Mexican (laughs) culture. And um, one of the things that I've learned while doing a little bit of research is like when it comes to racial self-identification, 36 identifies white, 3% identifies black, 51% as some other race. But for the most part, what that overall means is that there's not an overall connection to Latin culture in the sense that it's like there's a lot of color blindness, and it's showing itself in a lot of really negative ways in the world, in politics, that it's just like, I don't identify as Mexican. I got here. I'm just a person. That's nothing to me. And so with no connection to culture, then it's like, yeah, I can vote for Trump. I can do this. Like he's the... There's a lot of things in Latin culture that bother me. And I think colorism does play into that.
3: Yeah, I agree. And I'd go further and like it breaks my heart to say, it, but I think, you know, oppression, I think imposes like certain forms of being on folks. And I think we've been in certain situations like we've taken on certain labor positions and we come as immigrants, super vulnerable undocumented, mm-hmm. lacking rights, not knowing English, you know, like mm-hmm. we're we're vulnerable to any kind of failure here or folks taking advantage of us. So I think I, I think that's a constant uh I think that's a constant struggle and I think um like uh recognize like recognizing how it impacts you on a daily basis I think is the hardest part. Um, and recognizing that it kind of it's rooted in hate and this like drive to be competitive and to like put yourself above someone, whether it's because you make enough money, like more money than them or because you're more beautiful than them and I think that's rooted in colonization colonialism too, right mm-hmm. like this desire to be better like why do you have to compete like why do you have to have this amount of money? Why do you have to look better than somebody else like
0: you know what that brings up a really weird point sidebar. I was competitive with my own siblings in a really hyper-aggressive way for a long time, probably up until about maybe two years ago, maybe three years ago, where it was just in me to compete against everybody and everything. I mean, I'm still working on it, Marcos. Has seen me play video games. Um, But yeah, even against your own people, you're like, I want to be better than them. Better in what way? They're the exact same as you. They're from the exact same house, the exact same blood, the exact same people. Why do you need to be better? Yeah, they got
3: us like they got us fighting for scraps and okay, so here's where I was alluding to. Yeah. Unfortunately, like it it's made a lot of us take on like this almost like subservient mentality. Like we desire to be white, we negotiate our real desires with whiteness all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting because for example, machismo is an integral part of Mexican culture, right?
2: That's where I <laughs> but it's real funny
3: but put a put a machista man in front of a white man in like for example a position of work and you'll see the mexican man often become take on the subservient uh submissive role and throw away that machismo but when they come home boom there's that anger there's that suppressed masculinity and i got fucked over by the white man all day so I'm going to take it out on my on my kids and on my wife um so that's just one example of the toxicity and how it impacts
1: us and how we don't even recognize it mm-hmm. i have a perfect example of the toxicity and it actually came in a twitter conversation between me and Melissa where um there was a lot of people that we grew up with being rebellious and stuff uh they just were of this kind of mindset and then they got enough scraps where they were like no uh, i'm I don't need to, like, rebel that much. It's, I'm happy with where I am. And they came up with a phrase where it's, like, uh, fuck the police until I reach middle management. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. And it's, you know, it all alludes back to, like, coping mechanisms that come from, like, colonization. and It's crazy. I don't know. Like, it, like how how do we deal with this?
3: Well, I mean, invest in people... Yeah, Yeah, like there's a lot of money there and it's like we got to wean America off its like imperialist, capitalist, militaristic tit. Um, Like little by little, you can't just take away the police in a heartbeat and boom. I think it's important that we use intentional language and we need to allocate more resources into supporting people, whether it's in education finding a trade, finding their passion, bouncing back from any kind of struggle, you know? Um, And I think if we do that, if we invest in people, history shows shit goes well. After World War II, fucking America invested in all their GIs yeah, and they invested into the economy, into the infrastructure. They created a bunch of jobs in the process and look what happened. A bunch of people became wealthy, created generational wealth for generations to come, you know? Mm
0: -hmm. And We'll go ahead and take now our our first and only break. We'll be back after this brief. This is a a perfect place to wrap up this little segment here. And then we'll get to the end after our commercial break just to see how we can figure this out, what we can do and what you can do out there uh, to figure out this whole colors and thing because we're still figuring it out right now. So we'll be right back after these short messages this quick break and we'll be right back. Thank you for watching and stick around. All right, and we're back for our final segment. Thank you, our commercial sponsors that everyone's going to miss and post, especially the audio listeners, uh, mexmerch.com. I don't want to shield too much. I don't want to waste any glorious time with our special guest. Coming back once again, David Flores. Welcome back, everybody. And, of course, Alyssa, a staple here, not no longer a guest. And Marcos, of course, leading the pack here. Now, Marcos, let's go ahead and you know how to wrap this whole thing up. What do we do? Because there's a well, lot here that I didn't even know about. So what's the next step?
1: So there's two ways that change happens. One is culture and the other one is politics. And then I just had like a really weird mindset where it's like everyone looks down on Indian and Afro and indigenous people uh, until it comes time to celebrate. The Corillas are written by mostly indigenous people. The the, the garb is definitely indi- indigenous um and then so it's like it's not going to be music because we already folded that and it's just like that's cool yeah and and then it was like do you know who yalitza Ab- Abrico is? aparicio is Man, yeah, Mar- Mar- Marco. Words are hard for you today. <laughs> it's when the- you don't talk all day, and then you have to talk, yeah, <laughs>
0: that is true. So <laughs> to catch up, David. Uh, Marco's like in between jobs. He left the job we used to work together, or we used to work together, and uh, so he left the job, and he's been he's off for like what a week. But mm-hmm. but our jobs are sales, so we talk for eight hours a day straight. So he's he is rusty oh, yeah. as fuck right now. And that is perfect. Also switching between English and Spanish, not always the easiest thing. So,
1: but well, yeah, just to go back Yalitza. To, to Yalitza, she got hate for winning an Oscar, like a whole bunch of hate mail. Like, yeah, just Cause, uh, for the uninitiated, cause I, I didn't see Roma actually. Uh, this is what she looks like. Like beautiful. She's the first indigenous Mexican to ever win an Oscar. I'm probably be the only one, but, um, I don't think so. We got a lot of a lot of stars in Mexican cinema. Well, that is I true. do want I did want to bring that bring that full swing to say like when we glorify um, European standards of beauty, this is what comes out when you just google Univision Televisión Univision TV shows.
0: Yeah. Blonde, brown hair, blonde. Yep. Yep. Nothing. Yeah. That Nothing. <laughs> no,
3: there's a, um, it's actually, uh, there's um, a term for it that I learned from Dr. Shawnee Bird at UCLA during my grad program. Uh, I think she came up, she coined the term critical media literacy, but that's a skill that I'm developing, that I develop with students. That's integral to applying like these big academic concepts to like today, you know, like for kids to understand institutional oppression, like through the media, you know, Mm -hmm. you show them commercials Mm -hmm. and you show them ads and stuff. So it's easier to process. But um, yeah, like through critical media literacy, like you start analyzing this stuff and it's like, yo, like we're taught to desire certain things. Like we're taught to hate certain things. It's rough. And it's like so psychological. I think that's a big part of it. Like how do you undo so much damage that's already been done and at the same time know how to avoid further um, damage?
2: Um, so what's really interesting, and I, I didn't realize that it was the um, Oscar-winning actress that you guys brought up. Marco, I just texted you an article that I had remember reading, and I wasn't sure if it was a tabloid or not, but looking back on it, it it's actually real. So there, that group of Latina actresses that pull up, On Univision that you just googled, there was an entire group text that was basically dissing Yalitza and like trying to get her to stop, um, you know, from winning this Oscar. And it's disgusting, like what they even said in this group message.
1: I'm looking it up right now, but I did hear that, and it was actually so when I was doing research into Yalitza, Namor came up. He was one of the few because he's also an indigenous actor. He right. was he was he came up to defend her.
0: Well, Of course, but yeah. Have, yeah. <laughs> but no, that makes no sense. They're news anchors. Who the fuck cares? Or Mexican actresses? Oh, gotcha. Film
1: um, festival organizers says a group of Mexican actresses try to keep her from winning, being nominated. Haters, man.
3: You Haters. Know <laughs> classic. That's I classic. That's something I say in my Haters. workshops a lot. They. Teach us a uh, uh, one b- big colonial patriarchal concept is they teach us to be fucking haters, bro, and they teach us to like desire and want what other what we don't have, and that's what all this takeover and conquest is rooted in. They didn't have shit. They didn't know how to take showers. They had no fucking seasoning in their food. <laughs> <They're> fucking. <laughs> They didn't even know what the fuck the concept of zero was. They're
0: way behind. <laughs> they didn't know what zero was. So no. what they do?
3: No, they did the one, the one smart thing they did do. They fucked up everything in the process. And they fucking stole the best from everywhere else, and now we're at where we're at. They took everything, so you know now they're super wealthy, and the places
0: that got extracted. Um, you know, are struggling to catch up. That's that's actually my favorite thing that I like going back to when we talk about the way we think about indigenous people is we mentioned earlier and it was kind of we kinda of threw it out there, it's like, oh yeah, they get sick a lot. It's not because we're more prone to sickness, it's because that they were just cleaner people. Like they understood that, oh, if you sit and shit all the time, you're gonna get sick. So they invented irrigation. <laughs> so they're like, Oh yeah, oh and wait, we can we can shit in these rivers and it fertilizes our crops. Yeah, let's go ahead and just keep doing it this way. And so they didn't get sick. They didn't have plague. They didn't have all those things because they understood that being in shit and not cleaning yourself was not, somehow, didn't give you the, the spooky ghost that made you sick. I mean, I was I was always, always make understand that like you know what do you understand about medicine? Well, I mean, but they were
1: doing heart surgery and shit, brain surgery. Yeah, I was about I was about to bring that up. It's like they could do heart and brain surgery. Yeah. Like, yeah,
0: like 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 they wouldn't know what bacteria was, but they knew that if they didn't do it this way, they would die. Yeah, yeah. It's like so, you know, applying that to today, I think it's valuing
3: what we are born with and what we're taught, what our families have what our communities have and like embracing all of that because that that that's what really makes us like who we are Mm -hmm. this concept of like oh just become an american what's an american y'all fucking swagger jack everybody else's culture right (laughs) tell me one thing that's american (laughs) and i'll tell you where it came from (laughs) like besides y'all got fucking hot dogs that's about it i don't know what else white folks got like and Just, cartoons and, and
1: jazz and banjos—I don't know. Cartoons, <laughs> <laughs> oh, jazz. jazz, and ban—nope. Like, cartoons are French.
3: Jazz is black. Is created by black folks, you know. And yeah. we, yeah, it is good. Marco, you mentioned it earlier. You know, like Americans love to steal folks' culture when it comes to music and whatever, but uh, not to like treating folks with dignity, which is interesting, right? Um, so yeah. Organize in your communities, folks. That's what I'm seeing. You know, fucking Biden and Harris have been a major disappointment. And does that mean I'm going to stop voting Democrat? Probably not until we fucking have more like options. Thank I'd you. <laughs> I love to vote Green Party. <laughs> Can we just fucking elect Bernie one time before he's gone? Like, I promise my boy will be. I think he's 86 head. already. And he's got one more run in him, bro. I feel like he's
0: going to make a third party, bro. I might be his campaign manager. I'm desperate. Uh, <laughs> no. uh, hey, I, hey, long story short, I ain't paying those loans back. No matter who's president. Shit. No, but. Defer. Not, you know, it doesn't mean don't.
3: It's not this or that. It doesn't mean you stop voting or you stop trying to. Make change in, like, politics, right? Or, like, you know, taking action or whatever. But being realistic, like, it starts on the ground in your immediate community. And Washington isn't going to do shit for, like, Eagle Pass or for Pasadena. Like, Eagle Pass has to look out for Eagle Pass. And I'm learning, like, the reason the ethnic study, ethnic studies, like, was able to get started in my community was along with getting a lot of help from a lot of other folks like I was able to come home and push and make that shit happen. It would maybe it didn't happen if I didn't come home. who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that I came home and I made the effort and with a lot of help and resources, like we were able to make it happen. So it gives me hope that like yo, making taking action and like alyssa, the you know the work she's doing in the San Antonio area, like activism isn't always about getting all the w's all the time, but you know, even the little W's build up and it's better than sitting around and fucking complaining all the time because what the fuck is that going to do? We And that's another thing. They fucking teach us to be haters and they teach us to be shit talkers. <laughs> and it's like well we're and fucking great fucking sideline quarterbacks us mexicans yeah but like
0: if I could go out there and do that shit yourself then true fuck like. right no but, but <laughs> david i do want to counter that like because that's true there and and i would even say i mean of course we're guilty of it mexicans particularly guilty of it but there's a good chunk of young people that are about that life and are like look we're not going to have an ozone by the time we're 18, so we got to get going on this. You know, you look at your um, yeah. uh, Greta Toon bays and stuff like that. But the then I got, I, got
3: like Gret- the I got a Greta Toon bays in my class, man. She writes a fucking uh, marine biology newsletter every month. The kids right. in ninth grade, like, <laughs> fucking spreading awareness about endangered bird species in our region. Like, I'm like, yo, and this like kids fucking care and that's the power of media too like right. we tap into this shit we spread awareness
0: and make it meaningful and you know like but, uh, the possibilities limitless but like you mentioned because i mean now we're in my realm media right media is going to if it bleeds it leads it's always the best thing best thing to know so when you get this perception that Xennials, uh, or hell millennials were the forever victims in this culture that we're lazy and that we don't care about politics and that we're a bunch of complainers where there is some truth to that with culturally within us but then when the whole youth movement is seen as such and has always been seen as such anytime young people have tried to make a movement happen the older angry people and people with wealth they're like ah they're a bunch of rebels they're going to blow things up Uh, Black Lives Matter is a bunch of terrorists so on and so forth from a macro and a micro level how do you deal with that much pushback all the time because obviously the smaller steps work but don't get the press coverage so if you don't have yeah. the access and you don't have the david flores is the, the Alyssa buntings in their community you have no one to look to so how do you get that message that that work is worth it because most kids you, and even myself uh i like reward instant reward instant gratification we want it give it to me now and i'm
1: gonna do it you dance. become the person that is the David or the Alyssa in the the area. That's all you got to do.
3: And and the the thing is, you know, that's, I mean, that's the story of an immigrant, right? Like you don't got nobody to lead the way. Like my parents led the way and I learned from them. And now I'm trying to pass that on. And whether it's, you know, kicking it with my little brother or the little homies or my soccer team or my students, you know, you try to have a positive influence and like put them on, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, I, I think efforts like this are important. You know, like, get kids talking about these subjects. Ethnic studies is important. There's, like, this national movement to, like, hide the truth. It's not to shit on America necessarily. You're going to shit on America in the process because it, it, we've done shitty things. And, you know, it's, like, it's like reluctance to face the truth. And it's not an effort just to, like, make the country look bad. It's to learn from our mistakes so that we know how to be better in the future so that our kids have a better place to live at. They have a place to live that's going to, like, survive, you know, like, all this destruction we're doing to the earth. Right. Uh, so, yeah, man, keep using media. There's all these wonderful creators out there who are breaking down information and what's going down in the world for folks in, like, a way that anybody can process. And I think that's crucial, making it accessible to everyone in the community. hmm you know?
2: Yeah, I agree with what David's saying. Um, you know, just this was my first year working in politics and like reading policy. I'm like, what the hell does any of this say? Like, how do we <laughs> right. like have you know people in the community be able to read and understand this? And you know, you were saying that a lot of people were like, well, what's the reward here? And you know, a lot of it is like the bigger picture. You know, like the future is the reward and. You know, it's not about doing anything too crazy. It's just, you know, within the realm of, like, your capabilities. Like, one day I just got fucking tired of doing car ads and things like that. Like, the work didn't feel meaningful to me. So I went out and found an organization that hired me. And, you know, I'm I'm lucky that I get to call, you know, working for the community my job at the end of the day. And it's about, you know finding different mutual aid programs, you know, if you don't have the capabilities to like go out into the community and things like that, find the people who are, you know, um, share their stuff. You know, if you have a couple of dollars to spare, you know, contribute to mutual aid programs and things like that. Um, You know, if you are really concerned about things in your community, you know, there are, you know, neighborhood associations that do hold meetings and, Sometimes the city does as well, you know, whether what they do with that information is, you know, completely up to them. But, you know, it's important to have these discussions, you know, with people who care about it as much as you do.
0: Yeah, man. Hey, Mark, we
3: stopped oh. on those from getting billed just by fucking popping into Zoom meetings, like for the city council <laughs> and fucking making public comment because they're not used to that shit. And before, like we didn't know we could even do that. But that's what Americans do all the time. They go into city council, they complain, and they say they're two cents. And we're like, yo, we got a voice too. Um, so, you know, that, that shit can be powerful. I will say, man, a big thing, you got to let yourself feel. And we've been desensitized. And that's part of decolonizing too. I think that's one of the biggest things. If, we're gonna, if you're going to focus on anything out there, folks, let yourself feel what it means to really love and be loved what it means to heal from your trauma, Uh, what it means to like be selfless and also look out for others in the process and how your journey and your goals are going to benefit people along the way. Because we were taught to only look out for ourselves. We were taught to desire material, wealth, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Don't mean you can't chase your bag in the process, but like don't forget where you came from. Don't forget the people who helped you along the way. And uh, don't forget that we are a people that are rooted in community and in looking out for one another. And we are givers as much as we are healers. So don't forget that part of you either. And listen to your intuition because it's always there. That's all I got.
0: I think that's all we got too, man. That's I can't yeah. say anything else to top that.
1: <laughs> yeah. that, was, uh, that was a very good epilogue. I mean, there's nothing. Yeah, like you said, there's nothing to, to follow that. I, I
0: dropped this mic, but it's expensive as fuck. So
1: <laughs> this is my material wealth <laughs> and all this
0: other <laughs> bullshit yeah. behind me. I don't need any of it. I want health care, god it. <laughs> uh, I want health and I don't want people to be racist to each other for being dark Mexican. No, Go back to tally bro. You have both. Or, or, no, you have health care. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Man, I saw gas prices hitting $6 over there. I'm not uh, – uh, I ain't doing that, man. $6 gas.
1: It's good. Man, it's a good bro. thing you got all that practice spiking now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, go, man. Hey, between the between the snowstorms i don't know man the snow the snowstorms that knock off our power grid the anti-lgbtq legislation these are all episodes we're going to get to with Econos, but god dang it this is a great episode man and i and i attribute that mostly mostly to me but then also our kids <laughs> Our guest, of course, what a schmuck! And, hey, some things never change, David. Some things never change. But uh, no, I want to very much thank our special guest today, uh, David. Man, we're gonna have you back for something. We'll find something for you. You had you had the facts. You had the knowledge. You had a way to educate the youths out there. Only old people watch our show. I looked at the logistics, but we'll get some youths now at this one. Alyssa, of course. Always wonderful, always insightful, great topic. This is your topic. You own this one, and I would say this is our finest yet. Marcos, thank you for hosting everything, keeping everything in line, keeping me in line, of course. And I'm not going to thank myself, but I am going to plug myself where you can find me at the Mexcellence on all forms of social media, and we're going to get everything finalized. We're going to start posting regularly, and we'll give some discount codes for mexperts.com. Get yourself a shirt, get yourself a hat, get yourself something. But in the meantime, thank you so much, uh, Marcus. If they want hey, to
3: find shout you, shout out to all the elders out there. We see you. You're loved and you're recognized, elders. The elders,
0: <laughs> the, elders. <laughs> the elders. No, they're our Put
1: age, some man.
3: On
0: the elders, no, no, man. they're our age, man. They're like thirty ish, uh, 35. No, th- no. Yeah. If, el- if the elderly were watching our show, they'd be paying money. They they have- they have the money right there, man. So
3: no, I don't hate on Rogelio in uh, Boise. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> trying to hey. get the message <laughs> rogelio out of boise you're on the air we love you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um yeah he got some uh some information there uh, david's a great guest he's our uh, our inside man he's our behind the scenes guy he did the animation for the beginning but we'll get to you david I'll let you plug all your pl- uh, plugs in a minute but marcos where can they find you
1: Just type jail marcos 62 into anything and i'll pop up david where can they find you
3: uh, you can find me at David Decolonize. David Decolonize. Um, I don't deal with uh, spammers, so if if, <laughs> yeah. if you're a spammer, you're just gonna agitate me. I'm just gonna block you. And, right, I just want good vibes, folks. Now. And are you still um, are you still doing this? In. Yes, uh, I will also plug my business, uh, my holistic healing business that me and my partner on my dining run, Stoned Wrappings. Stoned, as in faded. Stoned wrappings. Uh, we have all your holistic needs. Uh, we specialize in uh, stone uh, jewelry. So,
0: and uh, stuff, folks. in case you can tell, he is from Southern California. Faded. <laughs> That's a. I haven't heard that in a long time, buddy. It's been. I've been out here a little too long. I haven't heard faded this many times in a conversation. In a if minute. People
1: say faded all the time here. I just gotta take you to South San Antonio.
0: Oh fair there enough. You go. Fair
1: enough. <laughs> fair enough. Well, this
0: North Austin ain't doing it. Alyssa. Out of touch, I'm not, oh, always, always out of touch. <laughs> Alyssa, where can they find you?
2: Um before they I tell them where they can find me, I just wanna give a shout out to the people who are just listening. Um, dude, your fucking hat is amazing. It says support your local Latina. Oh, and I fucking love it.
0: Yes, and it's available on mexmers dot com. If you're Latina and you message me, I'll give you a I'll give you a discount code. That would be.
1: I, I think I, you know what
0: we, we we had a conversation about our friend Amy who put in the legwork of. Uh, Pretty much unlocking and uh, unmasking give her and chipping the hat away. For free, Sam. I'm give, gonna give. I'll give her the hat for free. But <laughs> discount code Amy. Hey, I'll do that. that. Discount. So yeah, that that part wasn't recorded on air. We had a home girl that taught me not to say bitches. <laughs> so that's that's the long and the short of it. She's a mutual friend of ours. She'll be back on the show. But yes, Alyssa, thank you for the, the confidence of The hat is something that's very important to me. As is all of you out there listening and watching. Please support the excellence. Keep us alive, keep us afloat. You can find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes. Po- Actually, no, not iTunes doesn't exist anymore. Apple Podcast. Anywhere you can find podcasts, you can find us on Twitch. You can find us on YouTube. Both at the Excellence and the Excellence Archive. The archive with the full shows. The Excellence with the highlights. And of course, you're watching this on Twitch live. Thank you for watching live. If you're not watching it live, you're missing out because I probably cut all, like so much out of this. I didn't, but I could cut so much out of it. I could say all sorts of bad things, and you'd miss it. And if we lost the time, so don't get lost the time. Don't get lost behind. Come find us. And thank you for watching. And as always, as always, folks, be excellent. And we'll see you next time. Blessings, y'all.